Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everyone. Before we dive into this juicy episode that I've recorded, I have an announcement and invitation for all the women listening today. I will be putting on a retreat with an intimacy coach, Rinsha Balani, in April 2023 in Mexico called Wild, Ugly, Beautiful. A four-day retreat in Mexico that's about self-love and embracing the parts of yourself that you've never shown anyone before. I feel so turned on talking about it. It's going to be amazing about embracing your shadows, unleashing your radiance, and the ideas for you to leave with the tools to love your whole self unconditionally. A lot of self-love conversations have to do with cheering yourself on and saying loving affirmations and thinking about the positive things about yourself. And I think, you know, that's beautiful. And what this retreat is about is actually letting out all the parts that you're ashamed of or that you want to change, letting them out and fully embracing them and letting them be seen by a group of powerful sisters that are there with you. We all have beauty inside and outside of us. And we also have ugliness and we also have inner wildness. The part of us that's more instinctual, the part of us that's more free, unleashed, messy, unconventional, and misbehaved. And these are the parts that you get to bring in this retreat and love so that you can feel that unconditional love for your whole self. Both Rensha and I are extremely passionate about this because that's been our journey. Our journey has been noticing that we're trying to be good girls or people pleasing by hiding the parts of ourselves that we don't think are lovable because they're ugly, they're messy, they're um, erratic. You know, it's loving your inner selfishness, loving your inner bitch, loving your insecurities even, the part of you that's softer, that feels weaker. I've personally been able to get where I am in my relationship with myself and the love that I feel for myself because every time I've noticed that there's a part of me that I want to hide, I turn to it, I love it, I feed it, you know, with affection and care and attention and I let it out for others to see it. So this is the opportunity that we want to give you on this retreat. It is not a retreat to come better and improve yourself. It's a retreat to love yourself exactly where you're at right now. So if you're turned on just as much as I am about this retreat and you feel that this would be supportive for you in loving yourself deeper, you can go to my website, tanaimilgram.com slash self-love retreat, or you can also DM me on Instagram and I will send you more information. The retreat is in the first weekend of April, April 6th to the 10th in a beautiful villa in Mexico and spots are now open for 14 women. So excited to talk to you about the possibility of having you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back after a really long time of me taking a break. As you, some of you may know, I was mostly in the past couple months spending three weeks in Costa Rica, 
part of which I did a silent meditation retreat, which was incredible and so fitting and part of my story today. I have never, I don't think I've been this excited for a podcast title. Honestly, I should make it into a book or a chapter of my book. How to stop looking for the one when you can't stop looking for the one. And I do believe that that is a thing. Like this part of you that wherever you go, wherever you're at, that thought is just always in your head. Like every coffee shop you want, you go to, every yoga class, it's just that question like, is the one here? Am I... Am I going to be, you know, sitting next to that person who ends up talking to me or we get coffee or whatever? And honestly, I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely been influenced by people's stories, especially as a nomad. I just hear so many stories that are of people that are like, yeah, you know, I, I just decided to move across the country and it was so scary. And then I'm, and then when I got there, my next door neighbor happened to be my future husband. And it's like, great so it's not just Disney movies that are brainwashing me but also real life stories of people that are spontaneously divinely meeting their person um but anyway today I'm going to be sharing about how to stop thinking about it because yes at some point last year I just realized that there were two things happening inside me and they didn't make sense. One of which is that I'm very happy single. And it's not even just the fact that I'm single. It's just like I'm just happy with my life. I enjoy traveling on my own. I enjoy living on my own. I'm socializing a lot. I love living in Mexico City where I just got to walk. And it's like I feel like I have a relationship with the city. Just I, I really love you know my own company and, and observing. And yeah, it's been really nice. Um there hasn't really been many moments of me wishing there was someone else there with me. So it didn't make sense that I was equally kind of devastated about being single. And so it got me to be curious, like, is this really coming from a place of me being sad that I'm alone and like needing someone there? Or is this coming from somewhere else? Is this really just a habit, habitual thinking, something that my ego is obsessed with to just continue on perpetuating the story that I'm a victim, right? Don't we always need something to worry about, to obsess over, to um, to feel victimized about? And so that's how this journey began. I started to get curious. I even started just noticing when I have this thought of like, woe is me. It's so sad that I'm you know, that I'm not in a relationship and a lot of my friends are and da-da-da. Where do I feel this in my body? And I'm trying to think, where did I feel it in my body? I think what I felt was like this heaviness in my chest. Um, and it felt really like dark and sticky and heavy and like all-consuming. <laughs> and... And I, and I just spent some time really allowing this feeling to be there. And it felt really, really old. Like when I, when I connected to it and I even communicated with it, it actually brought me back to um, being a little girl ever since I got glasses on and pretty much looked like a female mini version of Harry Potter. I felt not chosen. And of course... When you don't feel chosen, it's something that goes even way back. 
Um, and I can kind of think of, you know, situations as a child where I didn't feel chosen or where I expressed like an, like a really big amount of love and it was shut down or it wasn't received or I felt alone in, in dealing with my feelings. But anyway, I did think about specifically when I got glasses and I looked really nerdy and none of the boys wanted to talk to me. And so that's kind of where my identity developed of not being chosen and and like not getting to have what everybody else gets to have. Like that's a story that I told myself to survive. Like, well, tonight you're nerdy looking and um, and not as like sweet and bubbly and flirty and confident and kind of bold as all these other girls. So you just don't get to have what they have. You're just, you're not as pretty. You're not as skinny. Um, you're not as confident. And so by telling myself that I couldn't have it, I just, it was easier for me to deal with. Like, yeah, if, if I if I can't even expect something, then, then, you know, it's just out of the picture. I'm never going to get there. And that's the story that has lived on in me. That's, yeah, that, that, that feels that pain of always looking for someone to complete me and, um, and never feeling like I'm going to find them. On that note of completing and feeling incomplete, I started asking myself, what is it that a person would complete in me right now? Because I'm, I'm not even the kind of person that stops myself from traveling on my own. Like, if you know me, you know this. I am very much a go-getter. Um, I, I go to things by myself. Like, I go to events of like a thousand salsa and bachata dancers and I just go by myself and I dance with strangers who have now become my friends. Um, and I travel on my own. And yeah, I don't, I, you know, it's, it doesn't stop me from living my life, um, which I know is a case for some people. So I asked myself, what would feel complete about having someone? Um, what is it that I'm trying to fill here? And what came up was this thing about affection and attention. Like, it would be so nice to be someone's number one. It would be so nice to be like the, you know, the person that somebody sees and, and that's all they see. And receiving tons of love and physical attention and, and company and all of that which I think is really valid. That's such a beautiful part about being in a relationship. But I wasn't at the time and I'm not now. And so I, I just asked myself, how can I start giving that to myself every single day? How can I be more intentional about the way that I talk to myself, about the way that I look at myself, about the way that I spend time with myself? And so that's one thing that I started doing, which is that I started spending more time with myself, looking at myself in the mirror and speaking really loving words to myself. I also started spending more time um, in bed in the morning, like really touching my body, saying the first thing that I said to myself in the morning were really loving words to myself. Also noticing if there was any sadness present or discomfort and just actually I would envision that sadness and discomfort and just envelop it with love. So not necessarily try to get rid of the sadness or shame myself for the discomfort, but actually just giving that part of me all that loving touch 
giving it a hug, really holding it inside me as if it was a crying baby. I even spend more time self-pleasuring in the morning. So rather than having this habit of thinking about everybody else and thinking about, um, what, yeah, the things that I had to do, I started turning the focus inward, t- turning the focus to myself and thought, you know, what if I... What if I was even like obsessed with myself the way that we're obsessed with someone else? What if I make it my point to feel so loved the way that I would want to, you know, have someone else feel by me, regardless to the mood that I'm in or the way that I looked that day? That's also around the time that I started, um, I started salsa and bachata dancing because there is also this part of, of like, okay, I can't give everything to myself because it does feel ran, really nice when a man touches me. And so when I started getting into dancing, especially sensual bachata, where it's like a man is literally moving you like like a Twizzler, like they're just, you know, grabbing your back and swaying you and turning you and twisting you and making you like do all sorts of curves you had no idea you could do and flip your hair. <laughs> that started to fill the need for physical touch that I needed. So it's, it's you know, I just started to get curious and creative around how can I um, get those needs filled that I want from somebody else in ways that aren't romantic. And it was amazing. I just remember, I mean, I, I'm still dancing now, but I just remember um, the first times that I started dancing and feeling just so much life force and and like turn on and sexiness and aliveness in my body just from my my classes you know from my my personal classes and then when I started dancing um in in these social dances it was just it was it would fill me up so much all this social interaction with, with everybody else so I ask you you know if you're in in this position of asking you know of like being obsessed with this idea of finding the one I would ask you, what are you trying to fill and how, how can you give that to yourself and how can you find that in other ways? Um, because it also took me checking myself for every decision that I made of the outfits that I was wearing, the places that I was going to, and really asking myself, am I going here because I'm expecting to meet somebody or am I going here because I genuinely want to do this? And it sounds so neurotic, but... It's like funny for me to admit as someone that, yeah, that, that's just really happy on my own. But still, that was still, I feel like, the programming in my brain of of, of that having, yeah, of, of that being the intention. But I, you know, I forgot to mention this, but it's, it's you know, it, it's because I came to a point last year of just thinking, you find things when you're not looking for them and I'm always looking for the for a person not even just the one because, you know, even just a long-term relationship would really would be really nice. I don't necessarily think there's the one. But I thought to myself, how am I going to meet somebody if I'm always looking for them? I, I have to find a way to be content on my own. How is it that, like, what is it that I'm not content with that I think something's missing? So that's that's where I'm getting at of uh, of really tuning in every day and asking yourself, okay, what is missing? What is actually missing from this moment? So on that note, I've also been applying a lot of, 
I think what is Zen Buddhist concepts? I mean, I follow Jeff Foster a lot and Osho. And um, and so they teach this a lot. On one hand, Osho teaches a lot about the concept of aloneness, which I think is a beautiful concept. And the first time that I came, um, that, I, that I learned about it, I think I've already shared it on this podcast. It was when I was in Medellin last year. And it kind of hit me when, when, you know, it was like a weekend and I hadn't really met any friends and I felt so alone. It really hit me at that moment, this obsession that I had in trying to find somebody um, in the back, like unconsciously. And so I just did what I always do, which is I type whatever's going on, like loneliness, and then I type Osha's name and I see what comes up. And there is this just beautiful passage about aloneness and um, I just paused this episode to, um, to read something like a quote from him and it's loneliness is the absence of the other. Aloneness is the presence of oneself. And so I get introduced to this concept of aloneness, which is what we're all running away from basically is what he says. We come to this world alone. We leave this world alone and Every defense mechanism and addiction and um, coping mechanism that we have is to run away from coming back to this truth, which is that we're alone. And we're just running away from that, that silence, that space where it all arises, where we're really with ourselves, with all of ourselves. So it was such a beautiful invitation for me of um of changing my relationship to to being with myself and thinking of it as as aloneness of being present with myself and not trying to fill um yeah not trying to fill this with with somebody else not trying to have not 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 looking for somebody like from a need or like a hungriness which that's really what I felt it's not that I felt that I needed someone, but I felt that there's part of me, there's this part of me that was hungry for it, like desperate for it. So um, I, yeah, I just didn't want to meet somebody from this place. So that was a concept that I started getting familiar with. And then with Jeff Foster, who's one of my absolute favorite authors and philosophers, he talks about the perfection of the moment, how presence, you know, when we, when we say, you know, it was so hard for me to, to be present, I, I couldn't stop thinking, or it was so hard for me to be present with this pain in my body, he actually invites us to take a step back and see how the pain in your body is part of the present. And the thoughts that you're having in your mind also are part of this present moment. Which is also something that Osho um, talks about. Which is that if you're in meditation and you're thinking think totally and that means don't split yourself don't fight like don't fight against the thought don't fight against the discomfort actually allow yourself to fully go there fully live that thought out fully let yourself feel the pain in your body and if you really get all the way through almost like an orgasm like if you really really let yourself get to the climax it'll move through you on its own but meditation isn't fighting against the thoughts but instead being the observer, so taking it all in. So when I thought about completeness, 
I thought, okay, part of this present experience is also this voice in me that that ha- that 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 says things like, "Oh, why am I alone?" or "Oh, why and why aren't I chosen?" or "When am I going to meet somebody? I'm never going to meet someone." Right? All of these all these voices. This is a voice in me, and it's part of me. And it's it's the more that I fight it, the the less it's going to go away, the more present it's going to be, the more it's going to, you know, color my whole experience. And this is where I brought Existential Kink. Um, For those who don't know this, it's a book about um, the pleasure that we get from our shadow desires. So things that you say that you don't want in your life or the things that you don't want in your life, your shadow side may want them. So we always celebrate our light desires like I want to be better I want to I want to be kind I want to be rich but then there's the shadow desires like I want to be taken advantage of I want to be poor (laughs) I want to be a victim and we get pleasure from that um what's her name Carolyn Elliott the author she says having is evidence of wanting so if you're poor there's a part of you that wants to be poor and the way to explain that is is let's say by being poor You get to avoid responsibility. You get to feel like a victim and complain. You get to feel special and different. Like, oh my gosh, I just have it worse and can't get anything for myself because I'm so poor. (laughs) Or maybe you get to blame your parents from the way that they raised you. You get to compare compare yourself to others. And like for me, for example, I, when I did this work around money, it was like, if I make more money, then that means more success, which means more responsibility, which means more pressure. So there is a reason, unconscious reason, why we want things and we don't want things. And so a lot of times what is running your life is your unconscious desires, which is what you're calling in, which is what your nervous system can handle. Anyway, in order to work with this, what Carolyn Elliott explains is that we tend to shame those parts of us. Like we tend to shame the victim, shame the um, shame the inner bitch in us, shame the lack in us, um, as opposed to celebrating it the same way that we do with all of our other desires. And so what this creates is, um, is that whole thing about what you resist persist. And... Your, it runs your life. Like whatever you shame is running your life because you're repressing it and everything that's repressed kind of runs our lives. Um, we set, we um, are free from it when we set it free and we allow it and give it permission. So with the money thing, there's, you know, she teaches processes of like how to give yourself permission to want to like to be poor and to get pleasure from being poor. And you just really get into it that way. And so that's what I did, or that's what I realized that I, that I could start doing around this kinky um, pleasure that I was getting from complaining about my single my singlehood. Really became clear that there's just this part of me that loves to victimize myself and feel different and special. Uh, with a story of like, oh, poor me, I never get chosen, I don't deserve it, Um, I'll never find anyone good enough, blah, blah, blah. So instead of telling that voice to shut up or 
making myself wrong for thinking that way and getting really annoyed about the fact that, again, I couldn't feel like I was in the present moment because that's all I was obsessively thinking about. I just fully gave myself permission. So I would, you know, be walking on the street and then notice that that voice would come up. And then I would just say to myself, I'm so allowed to complain and make myself feel so bad for being single right now. Or like, ugh, I just love getting to um, compare myself to other people and tell myself that there's something wrong with me and feel like there's something missing from my life. So that's, that's the process. That's what the process is all about. It's allowing and acknowledging the kinky pleasure that we get from something that we don't like, something that disturbs us, something that we want to change. And in that process, it does transform because you're eliminating that resistance. You're, you're taking out all the unconscious and letting it out that you normally push down and fight and repress. Because what I was realizing in this process is that what was actually bothering me wasn't me being single because, again, I you know, I really love my life and I'm very content with my relationships. What was actually disturbing was it was just that voice, was just this almost like broken record that kept playing in my head about, um, about how pathetic and sad it is that I'm single. The more that I just allowed that voice to, to speak every time it came up, the quicker that voice just moved through me. I just fully let it happen. Um, again, back to the idea with Osho, when you're meditating and a thought comes through, just think it totally, like completely commit to that. Let it move through you. Let it live its its course. And then almost like a little kid when you give it permission to do the wrong thing so it doesn't he doesn't want to do it anymore. That's what started happening to this voice. Um, it, it almost just stopped having a purpose, you know? It, it was... It's like it was there to nag me and to tell me something's wrong and and I would just fully let it speak and and just really feel in my body like how delicious it felt um, to have this heaviness around around my singlehood and and yeah, just like this drowning sensation of like, oh God, it's just so sad and da da da. <laughs> the more that I just allowed these sensations in my body the more they moved through me and and the less I judged myself also for having these thoughts. In that process of, uh, of accepting this voice, um, you know, I was also just loving a part of me because anytime we have a dysfunction or a voice that we don't like in our head, there, that, that's just a part of us that's looking for love. That's a part of us that's been broken off um, and is asking to be integrated if you know IFS, internal family systems, that's what they talk about, right? All these parts that we have in ourselves that have been broken off because of our conditioning and personality and et cetera. So I took time with myself to also just hold this part of me that, does, that didn't feel chosen, that felt lack, that felt not enough. And I just held it within myself and I spoke to this part and I said, I love you. I, you're enough for me. Um, you're 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 part of my wholeness. I feel complete with you. Like I'm I'm such a beautiful human because I have so many 
like aspects of myself, including this beautiful part of me that, that wants partnership and, and is, um, and is full of grief and fear and, and all these other things that really like without even realizing what I was doing, it's, it really helped me start to feel that concept of aloneness and that concept of, wow, I feel really complete with myself. And it's not just being able to travel by myself and enjoying my own company, but, but actually being with every part that's happening inside me and just allowing it and not fighting it, not judging myself, not thinking that it should be any other way. So hopefully you got the tools that I just mentioned there. And I hope that it's the message that I'm trying to communicate is clear that it to me has nothing to do with my actual desire for partnership because that is there, but it's actually this part of me that was obsessive, that was feeling lack, that was feeling incompleteness, that was like a broken record that just really needed love and integration. Um, and, and for me to focus that energy into, into myself and into doing things that I wanted to get out of a partnership and, and feeding that to myself in a different way. So um, now this is what I guess is like part two of this episode, which is that then after these months of me really being in my own company and enjoying myself and exploring and kind of being in this relationship with myself and taking myself whole, because, oh, that was another thing that I realized, you know, wanting a partner is, is like you, you call in someone and, and they accept you for who you are and they take all of you and you know, if you're single and want a relationship, that's what you want, right? Someone who can take all of you. So that was a question that I also asked myself, which you can hear in, in everything that I said, which is if I took myself fully, what are the parts of myself that I'm, you know, not yet in love with or, or even just not yet, you know, just allowing? Because maybe there will always be parts of myself that I don't love, but at least can I just allow them and um, and lower the volume knob of the judgment that I have of myself in my head so after this whole experience I leave Mexico City and um I have a few family trips here and there actually one of them was a wedding my friend's wedding and I didn't have a date and most people were in a relationship so I really got to practice just being in my own energy and I left at the time that I wanted, um, didn't pressure myself to stay longer. And then I went to Costa Rica for a silent meditation retreat. So it's, it feels like the pinnacle of this experience of aloneness because that's what a silent medita- meditation retreat is all about. It's just being in your own company and not seeking um, reprieve or relief or, or like coping by interaction with interacting with other people and talking um so the the idea is that you can really get connected to yourself and and all parts of you and emotions and 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 things that are in there when you cut off communication and even cut off eye gate like looking at other people's eyes um so it's really a journey for for yourself and it, it felt like I was kind of preparing for that with, with all the intentions that I already had. I went to one 
in an eco village in Costa Rica called Pachamama. And unlike the regular Vipassana, they the one in Pachamama is just called silent meditation retreat. So there's dancing that's silent. There's yoga that's silent. There's breath work. Um, there is kundalini meditation, dynamic meditation. There's all these different sorts of things. So you're not really sitting and just closing your eyes all day, which I think would have been a lot tougher for me. But I actually had a really easy time during the silent meditation. Honestly, probably one of the best times of my life. It was surprisingly so nice to be in my own company. And it and it actually helped me realize that I feel a lot more anxiety with other people, like social anxiety in in how I think I should be around people or what or how I should respond when they talk or how I should speak. So that was really eye-opening, spending all this time by myself and and getting to notice that difference of like, oh wow, this is so nice. It is so nice to sit with people at lunch and not have to say anything or not even have to smile. Um, actually smiling was another thing that you weren't allowed to do. You weren't allowed to smile at people because they said that's just a way to make someone feel better and, and you don't need to make anybody feel better. Having such an easy time with my own thoughts and feeling so much peacefulness and presence on my own was what really, really gave me the message tonight you're so whole and complete on your own. And being in a relationship is just going to add. It's not going to complete you. I really felt that. It's one thing to say it, and it's another to spend a week with others. So, of course, it doesn't mean like cutting off social interaction completely. But, but yeah, it was, if, 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 if it was different. It suddenly felt like I had a relationship with myself um, because I was the only person that I was interacting with. There was this one night um, where I put classical music on, which was kind of cheating, but there are other times where they put music on for us, so I figured it wouldn't be completely terrible because there's no words. But I put classical music, and for 30 minutes straight, I danced by myself. I never checked my like the time, never checked the clock. I never stopped. I was so fully immersed in this dance. And it is not something I would have ever imagined I could have done. Because in my regular day-to-day, if I, if I do just dance in my room, it's like at least at every second song, I'm checking my phone and seeing if, if anyone's messaged me. Or I get bored. So having been able to just be by myself, entertaining my own self, dancing without anybody else, without any interruptions. Yeah, I, I, it was such a deep enjoyment of myself. An appreciation for my body, the way that it was moving. An appreciation for the way that the music was coming through to my body and the lightness that I felt, the playfulness. That's something that really came through in the silence, cutting everything out. I almost got brought back to this magic, imaginative, um, 
free-minded part of myself that that I could feel that I used to feel when I was little like the the ability to just stare at a tree and be fascinated by it or or dancing on my own or coming up with stories there are times when I'd just look up at the sky and just come up with stories in my head which is something that I loved doing when I was little um so there I was entertaining myself and and not needing attention from anybody else or touch or anything like that and so that that's some that's something that got really um just etched in me I left that silent meditation retreat feeling completely different in a way that was like so subtle and inexplicable but it started showing up in my life and how I felt in moments where normally I'd get really anxious and instead I'd just remember that I don't need to check my phone or I don't need to talk to anyone. I can actually just feel whatever's there and sink into this present moment. Hmm. Another thing that happened in this retreat was that this was at the end of the year and then it ended on New Year's with a 12-hour bonfire dance party. That's not really like a party. It's more of like, you know, still a very spiritual experience. There's plant medicine that's distributed three times and you're not allowed you're not allowed to talk around the fire. You can dance and be in your own energy and space and if you want to talk, they ask for you to keep the sacredness of the area around the fire and leave if you want to talk. Um, I did talk still a little bit. <laughs> Actually, now that I think a bit, I did talk a lot, but it was kind of like whispering um, in my seat with the person next to me. <laughs> and uh, the plant medicine was San Pedro, which is a heart opener. And it was so beautiful. If, if you're into plant medicine and you haven't tried San Pedro, or if you want to do plant medicine, but you haven't tried anything at all, this is my first time having a real medicine journey. And it was beautiful. And what a way to do it in the forest in Costa Rica with all these people I just did a meditation, a silent meditation with. Um, and just, yeah, just enjoying myself dancing to music. And I had this one experience where I was dancing and I was, I was really aware of other people and thinking, am I taking too much space? Are people looking at me? And also kind of wanting certain people to look at me. And again, I got curious, where is this actually coming from? What part of me wants this? And what came to me was my 12 slash 13-year-old version of me, like my preteen, like had a really awkward body and braces and frizzy hair. And this part of it not being chosen came up and, and, it's like she was the one that was asking for undivided attention. She was the one that wanted someone to look at her and someone to pay attention to her with undivided attention. So for about an hour or maybe longer, I closed my eyes and I imagined my 13-year-old version of myself in front of me. And I told her, my eyes are on you this whole time. You're the most important thing, and I'm only going to be dancing with you. Sometimes I would open my eyes and imagine her there still. And that's what I did for about, I think, about two hours. (laughs) 
it it felt like it was so connected to what I'd already been connecting to in Mexico City of this part that just is so hungry for affection and attention and I realized I could give that to myself um and in that moment that's what it looked like of that girl who the guys didn't want to dance with and she felt um awkward and sad that all her friends had their first kiss and she didn't and I said you know you're the most important thing to me now I don't care about anybody else dancing here I my eyes are fully on you these kind of moments they, they're not just really sweet in the moment but they also create a life like a, a, a lasting impact in you it's working with the unconscious that's how hypnosis works you're working with the unconscious which runs our lives and in creating a new imprint in your unconscious your your complete like your nervous system changes because your unconscious is what runs your nervous system so i felt just so much ease and acceptance after this experience and like this that part of me that's always anxious and like looking for people to pay attention to me settle down because I was feeding it I was feeding it um by myself I was doing I was doing it to the part that wanted all that attention and it was it was beautiful and I really felt like like it was a chapter closing um I went back home to Miami, which is the place that's most triggering for me when it comes to being single. And those thoughts weren't showing up anymore. Um, I feel now I'm able to connect to my desire for partnership without this desperation or without worry um, or without comparison or anything like that. I feel very trusting that a partner will come. Um, I feel responsible for the actions that I take and and how I show up with myself um, that are going to determine just like what, what kind of partnership I'm available for. And there's always things that I can work on. There's obviously still intimacy fears for me for me to work on. And I was talking about it with a friend today. I don't think that you block yourself from intimacy. Um, or, or not that. I don't think you block yourself from a relationship. Like, I don't think that that if you, you know, don't go on dates, you're not going to find anyone. Or if you, if you have a fuck buddy, you're not going to meet the one. Because I've heard so many stories of people that find their person when they're not looking for it or when they're in another relationship or... They end up falling in love for someone they hated. There's so many different ways that I don't really think it's that black and white that um, that you make yourself unavailable or that you cut off the person from arriving if X, Y, Z. I do think that we can always work on ourselves and always be aware of our fears in or out of a relationship. You could do that with a fuck buddy. <laughs> you could do that with your friends. You could do that with people you're interacting with you can do that with yourself something that I've just been asking myself is 
what is the most loving thing for me to do to myself right now? Is this casual sex coming from from genuine curiosity and desire or is it coming from lack? Will it actually feel good or is it kind of just like a like an unhealthy drug when when you do a drug that then you wake up the next day or, or alcohol and you wake up the next day and you're like, Ugh, it felt good, but deep down it didn't feel good. Um, I'm not sharing this from like an expert perspective or anything like that. I just wanted to come in and share my experience. I think it's pretty cool that I was able to, in a couple of months, kind of detox from from that need. I even... Um, I even stopped having giving so much eye contact to men on the streets, especially here in Mexico City, because it was feeding my ego and I was just relying on external attention um, to feel good. And I, I, I have to say, it's pretty cool to to feel calm around um, relationship and 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 be so trusting um, and see. I always see the synchronicities in my life of the stuff that shows up in in the men that I call in, like just always an opportunity to, um, always an opportunity to deepen my self-love, to express myself more, to act in alignment of my truth and my desires and and act in alignment of my self-worth. I notice just even there, you know, there's certain fuck boys in my life that, I used to, even just a couple months ago, just be enamored by everything they said and just act like it. And now I feel so different. I feel like I hear what they're saying and there's no judgment, but there's also no like adoration and and pedestaling. Um, I can be in my own energy and have this distinction of of like what's happening here. Am I, am I, am I giggling and, and feeling pulled because of some, you know, just sexual attraction? Um, and I love sexual attraction and I don't think there's anything wrong on acting on it. But personally, I want sexual attraction from someone who's emotionally available and, um, who's going to treat me with kindness. So then that, that's all the inquiry that I'm in right now. So that's what I got for you guys. I am now enjoying my single life very much and very happy to not be stressed about it at the moment. And I'll keep you all updated. And um, please reach out if if, if any of this resonated with you, if you have any questions. I love having conversations about my podcast episodes. And if you have any requests for a future Um, theme or a future episode, let me know and I'll gladly talk about it. Bye.